This is a show about content marketing for established, sophisticated online businesses. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation, how to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience between launches, and get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends, we are going to be talking today about building an audience of thinkers and yes, all the feelings that come up around that little statement right there. All right, so building an audience of thinkers. You should know this is a message that I have struggled with over the years because, man, I am at odds with the general world on this. More on that later. But suffice it to say, I struggle with this and this entire episode is not a be-all, end-all in the subject. It's what is working for me now and has worked for my clients and I over the last couple of years. And I want to start here with a little bit of a story. I'm in a weird stage with both of my kids right now. They are 11 and 5, both boys. They both, in their own independent ways, kind of expect me to know everything. For my 5-year-old, I mean, he literally just expects me to know everything. My 11-year-old, he's at this weird place where he thinks that if I don't know everything, if he just rephrases the question, I'll somehow figure out what he means and magically have a new answer. And I don't. I don't know everything. I know. Shocker, right? But I've been using this phrase a lot. An old friend of mine, she stole it from her brother-in-law, I want to say. And it's basically, I haven't thought enough about that yet. It implies you've thought about it. Not that it's completely blindsiding you, right? It implies you're going to think about it. You just you just haven't gotten there yet, and therefore you cannot expound upon the situation. And I'm going to use that phrase right here with you guys, friends, right now. I haven't thought enough about building an audience of thinkers yet. So what we're going to be talking today about, this is all the things I have thought about so far. Because the reality is, I know a little bit about a, a lot of different things. And I like this. I I like that I know a little bit about so many different subjects. It helps me make connections between different things. It makes me more insightful about different things. And it's why I am very good at relating complex ideas in not-so-complex manners. If you heard an episode a couple weeks back with Elia Finkelstein, we were talking about what tone of voice ChatGPT thinks we use. And it thinks I use the voice tone in part of Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I was so honored. I was floored. I mean, like really humbled when it said that. And, you know, I know it's a robot. I know that it's not a person and it doesn't actually care about my feelings. But I felt pretty puffed up about that because I do pride myself on being able to relate everyday stories into marketing lessons and be able to use a a world of lived experience to help you understand things about marketing that you might not have understood before. And that is why when I see my chickens, I can't help but see life lessons and marketing lessons everywhere. So I do. I use a lot of chicken stories. My favorite is one from last year. It was all about being the rooster. So long story short, we had a hen. We can't have roosters in uh, our yard because we live within city limits. And we had a hen who was, shall we say, trying to step into the role of being a rooster. And because she was doing this, it was resulting in a fair amount of bullying going along. It it was just mean. Watching her be mean to our other hens made me sad. And 
We have chickens in part because chickens make me happy. So obviously I wanted to fix this situation. We found out from a chicken expert that we needed to essentially go in and quote unquote, be the rooster. That meant coming up behind her, pecking at her with our fingers, uh, making her submit basically. That's the story, right? This is a year ago. We did it for a while. It did help at least a little bit with her bullying behavior. And as a result, I got a great Instagram reel out of it. So this reel did very well. It didn't go viral in the sense that it is the most views I've had of any of my reels. But I got so many great messages from colleagues, from potential clients, from actual clients. Everyone loved that story. The resonance worked. And it worked because it was a great lesson. You need to be the rooster in your marketing. If you are not taking the lead and leading your audience through a journey of building trust, using your content to create a relationship with them, if you don't choose that rooster role in your marketing, someone or something else will. That was the lesson of this reel. You have to be the rooster in your marketing. You have to take charge. If you don't, someone or something else will. So that lesson lives on. Yes, that was a year ago. It was last summer, but I recently repurposed that reel and put it on YouTube shorts. It already has eight times the average amount of views the rest of my shorts have. It's a lived experience story from my life, and it works so well in marketing, even though theoretically chickens and marketing have nothing to do with each other, right? Because that's the thing about thinking. It allows you to get better at at weaving ideas together. And, And when you get great at that, content is easy. Building an engaged audience, child's play. Now, that's you thinking, you as someone in my audience, right? But what about you building an audience of thinkers? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Today's content world isn't promoting thinking. And I hate that. I mean, capital letters hate. I dislike this. I want to work with people who can think for themselves. My people want guidance, not instructions. And don't get me wrong, they'll need instructions for specific technical things, how to set up your drip or mail or light account, right? Like that kind of stuff. Yes, instructions. But when it comes to being the rooster in their marketing, when it comes to taking the lead, building thought leadership, building authority, using marketing and content specifically as part of your marketing arm to build an engaged audience that that loves to work with you, that isn't something that they want one, two, three, four, five, six instructions for. They want guidance to get them there, but they want to do it their own way. They don't want me to put them in a box. Those are my people. Today's world likes soundbite marketing though. So here is today's soundbite just for you guys. If you're providing services that aren't just for everyone and you have a specialty, you know, a really honed in skill set, you're out of the baby business stage, you're well into the entrepreneurial middle class stage, then drive-by content is not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you anymore. Why? Why will drive-by content not work for you? Um, It's generic. It is pedantic and it's a commodity. It's monopoly content. It's not sticky. If you want to know what I mean by monopoly and sticky content, go listen to episode 212. It's all there. And I'm going to dive into the definitions and all that fun stuff. But real short version here, sticky content gets you thinking. 
Monopoly content is a commodity. Anyone can create it and it might go viral because it's something people love to rally behind, but it's not going to make you act. It's not going to move your audience into taking action with you. And that, that friends, that is a problem. So let's do one more soundbite here. Got to, you know, support those algorithmic gods, right? There's a short answer to this problem. You're going to create an audience of thinkers with buyer journey content. I put that in, you know, visual quotes for those of you just listening in, right? You're going to create buyer journey content that closes one loop and opens another in each piece of content you create. I'm going to explain more on how to do that in just a little bit. So that's the short answer. The short action that I need you to take here is that thinkers always remember the content piece that convinced them. So ask them. Ask your people. Yes. Talk to them. That is how you will find out which content pieces actually drove action. And you're going to want to know that piece of information before we get to the end of this episode. I promise you on that. Before I dive into the actual process of building an audience of thinkers, creating those thinkers within your audience that you already have, I need to talk real briefly here on the difference between action takers, looky-loos, and friend zoners, because your current audience can be divided into those three segments. So action takers are people who take the action that you asked them to take. You know, your call to action, they follow the instructions, right? You told them to go sign up for your email list, they did. You told them to go check a certain metric, they do it. Those are action takers. Looky-loos are people who just kind of ended up on your profile somehow, whether that's social media, your blog, what have you, right? They see you and they just kind of keep on moving, right? They might not like actually be a follower. They might have just happened upon a post or they could be a follower that just kind of scrolls by. And then we have our friend zoners, which is the scariest category actually. Friend zoned people are those who fell into your audience somehow, but they think they can get everything they need from you for free. They have friend zoned you. They don't have any intention of purchasing from you. And it's probably because you have created a lot of really good free value in your content, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but in this case, it can cause, you know, a wee bit of a problem. This is why creating value posts without sharing a a concrete next step actually does your audience a huge disservice. It literally trains them to stay in the friend zone. They think they can get all of what they need from you from your content. They don't realize that there is a next level of information that's actually going to solve the complete problem and not just the beginning of the problem. We train them to to not do the thing that would actually help them when we include so many free value posts without saying, hey, here is the next thing you need to do. And I want to point out, you might think you're doing that. You might have a call to action in these posts that are free value posts, but if that call to action doesn't acknowledge that there is a gap between what you have the space to share right here and what they actually need to know to fully complete the problem, that right there, that gap is the problem. It's the missing piece in most people's content plans. And this missing piece is what really pulls in or calls out those action takers. It's thinking. Ask your people to think about the symptoms of their problem, those symptoms that they are currently experiencing. And I've talked about this in a previous episode as well. We want to make sure that when we are 
doing quote unquote pain point marketing, we are talking about the symptoms of that pain. You might know what your best client's problem is, but if they don't know what the actual problem is and they're just experiencing a few symptoms of that problem, you have to call out the symptoms. That's why pain point marketing actually works when done well and ethically and effectively, right? So you want to ask your people to think about those symptoms that they're currently experiencing. This is opening the loop. This is their before status. Then you want to give them a possible solution. This is you closing the loop or offering what the after kind of looks like, right? Then you're going to bridge the gap. This is where you let them know that this solution that you've offered, it works, but it only works if they take action on the solution. If they just enjoy your content and then keep scrolling, they haven't actually solved the problem, even though they might have gotten a little bit of a dopamine hit while they read about it. They feel like they solved the problem, but they didn't actually do it. And you need to call out that gap. You need to bridge the gap between the before and after. You have to really call it out. You have to make the lesson super apparent. You kind of got to knock them over the head with it. You need to lead your audience with your marketing. That is why taking that rooster status matters so much. You want to give them a reason to take the action. Remind them that if they're not likely to make this connection on their own, you are here to help. And this is where you are opening up a new loop. You acknowledged the symptoms of their problem, aka the pain point. You offered a solution. This builds trust. It helps them like you. And now you're being the friend they need to remind them that if they can't step in and do their part, you are available to help them as your client. This is how you truly serve your audience. It's how you create open loops, close them, and create a new and all-in-one content piece. And if you don't know how to do this, if you don't know how to be the rooster in your marketing, if you need somebody to, to weave a content plan that leads your audience on a journey, I am here to help with that. This is what I do for people. I create done-for-you content plans. I even offer full done-for-you support to distribute that content for you, all so you can use your marketing to lead. Also, you can be the rooster in your marketing. Now, that could be the end of the show. That could be me telling you, this is how you build an audience of thinkers. But there's another part, and this is where it gets you know a little dicey. Um, this is where we get into all the, the feelings and the hurdles that, that come with creating this kind of content. Because I have been talking for a long time about building an audience of thinkers, deep thinkers. And I've been talking for a long time about uh, prioritizing action metrics over vanity metrics. You've got to measure your content to do this. Yes, I'm going to stand behind that. Longtime listeners will know I am all about measuring content. And here's where I need to apologize a little bit because I am so the person that wants to give credit where credit is due. But I saw an amazing conversation. I think it was on LinkedIn. It was someone commenting on someone I know, their connection. I don't remember who it was. I meant to take a screenshot. I flipped to my notes on my phone, on my app. And when I came back, the screen refreshed. So I cannot give credit to the actual person who said this. But what my notes say about this, because it was such a brilliant point. It expands upon the why we want an audience of deep thinkers. It expands upon the idea that you know the, the best content you can create 
doesn't often go viral. It isn't going to rack up all the vanity metrics, but it is going to rack up action taker metrics. That idea I've talked about pretty extensively, but I really love this line. The thinkers are often the silent lurkers. Oof. Oh, that's so good. The thinkers are often the silent lurkers. That is why your best content might get the smallest amount of likes or comments or shares. It'll probably still get some good profile clicks. It'll probably get some, you know, traffic to your website. It'll probably get some saves if it's a platform that does saving. But the best thinkers, the deep thinkers, they're often the silent lurkers. And an audience that that thinks doesn't usually overlap with viral content. As a result, your thinkers probably have highly curated social feeds, but much lower engagement than the rest of your audience. This audience, and this is another line from that comment thread that I can't give credit to, so if it's you, please, please reach out to me. But this audience isn't easy to capture, even though they're incredibly loyal. And if I am all about measuring content, how am I measuring these silent lurkers that we're talking about? Well, I'm measuring them the same way I always have. Social media has kind of trained us to think that everything has to have a number metric and everything has to have actual feedback on the the thing. But my coach Maggie Patterson pointed out to me on a call the other day that there's no real feedback loop on podcasts. And I've actually had to get real good at doing this over the years since podcasts don't have likes and don't have share metrics, right? All that kind of stuff. I'm pretty good at figuring out which ones are really driving action within my business. And because of that, I've been able to move that skill set over to content, content that speaks and sings to the silent lurkers, but doesn't necessarily rack up those vanity social metrics. My friends Chrissy and Elia, I'm in uh, their, their rebellion group. We've talked about that too. They've also pointed out many, many times that data always goes beyond numbers. There's qualitative data and quantitative data, right? So I measure how well this wonderful, deep thinking content does by looking at how many leads it generates. And in this particular subset, I also want to talk about, you know, both qualitative leads and quantitative. How many actual leads are specific pieces giving me? But what is the quality of those leads? If I'm getting 10 leads, but they're not really my best client from a piece of content, it's still not an a, con- a content piece that's effective for my business, right? And if I'm only getting two leads from a piece of content, but they are both dream clients and I would love to work with them, that's good lead generating content. That is action driving content and it is good for my business. So how do I measure content that speaks and sings to the silent lurkers? I measure leads that it generates. I measure traffic upticks on my website. I measure my mood. Yes, my actual mood. Any sales call questions I get, you know, while people are considering booking me. And yes, of course, clicks from a specific post that you can usually see in most social platforms. That is also something that I'm going to be measuring. So let's go back to my mood real quick. I just want to call that one out. If I'm feeling good about content and I'm seeing the rest of those things happen, it's good content. If I'm seeing the rest of those things happen, all those action things, but I'm not feeling good about the content, I'm probably still going to retire it. It's just not worth it to me. So my mood does matter in terms of whether this content is is doing the hard work in my business, right? So now I want to return 
kind of to something I said at the beginning of the episode. This is the the action piece I want you to take from this episode, right? Remember, I am telling you how to think, telling you how to build an audience of thinkers, I should say, and I am giving you a possible solution. And now I am reminding you that if you do not take action on this solution, that little dopamine hit you've gotten while listening to this episode isn't actually going to do anything for your business. So here's your action piece. Thinkers, those good silent lurkers that are incredibly loyal, always remember the content piece that convinced them to work with you. Ask them. Yes, please, for the love of God, talk to them. One of my favorite clients from last year, I know the exact email that led her to hire me. One of my clients from this year, one of my most recent clients, I know the exact LinkedIn post that led her to join my email list. And then she hung out there for a little while before she hired me. But I know this because I asked. I love working with those people who practice nuanced thinking. They're sophisticated. Sound bites aren't going to make them hire me. They offer their own clients elevated solutions and they expect the same from me. If that's you, we should talk. Let's get you into a position where you can be the leader in your marketing. It's time for you to be the rooster. So, you know, I don't have to be. <laughs> uh, I love that piece, man. I, I really do love that particular reel. I didn't always embrace short form video, but certain ones, they work. That is a good piece of content for me. And that is what I want to help you create for your own business. Talk soon. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.